The Penguins are set to take on the Buffalo Sabres in their fourth preseason game of the year on Thursday night. For this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast, Pat and I are going to preview that game, plus look at a couple of other things when it comes to these two teams. You're Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes, joined as always by my co-host, Patrick Gamp. You can follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. And you can follow Pat on Twitter at Synonym for Wet. Of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. And it's another Penguins game day, their fourth preseason game of the year at PBG Paints Arena against the Buffalo Sabres. Most of the A squad is playing tonight, save for a couple of people, even Tristan Jari, the starting goaltender. He will be getting the entire game per head coach Mike Sullivan. And the lines here, pretty intriguing to say the least, Pat. Remember when the Penguins announce like who's going to be there for the games, not everyone is going to be playing. They usually have a couple of extras for forward and defenseman, and you're going to see both for this one. But for the lines... As we said yesterday, Ricard Raquel with Sidney Crosby and Brian Rust, Riley Smith with Evgeny Malkin and Alex Nylander, Drew O'Connor with Lauren Keller and Matt Nieto, which could be a preview of the third line to come later this year, Austin Wagner with Noah Chari and Jeff Carter, that could be a preview of the fourth line. Defensively, Ryan Graves, Chris Tang, Marcus Pedersen, Eric Carlson, and Ryan Shea and Chad Ruedel will be the third pairing. We'll have more on the third pairing a little later on in the show. When you look at this lineup, Pat, what really stands out to you? I mean, I think we're taking a really interesting look here at what's probably going to be the opening night lineup, all things considered. Just sans Jake Gensel, who's still working his way back from an ankle injury this this past summer. So, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to watch this game. We'll get into it a little more in the next segment, but this is a chance for this team to really show what these new additions can do and what it can do when it's at mostly full strength. Right. And we'll also get to see Ricard Raquel on his off wing, it looks like. And I'm really intrigued about that. He can be set up for more one-timers from that spot. We haven't really seen him play on his off wing too often as a member of the Penguins ever since he was acquired from the Ducks. But again, considering what Mike Sullivan just said about how he prefers his wingers on their offsides, this is the time to experiment with that. And I think Raquel can be just as good on the left wing as he is on the right. Because, you know, sometimes some players are a bit iffy about playing on their off wings. I don't think Raquel is, especially with his shot, his vision on the ice as a whole. I think he can really kick a lot of butt on the left wing. He reminds me a lot of a slightly better Jason Zucker to Mm -hmm. where, or in a similar vein to Brian Rust, to where it doesn't really matter where you put him in the top six or even the top nine, he can find a way to be effective. He's a kind of player that I think Crosby likes playing with. He has a very good shot. He has some good straight line speed. He's not afraid to go to the net. And those are players we've seen throughout the last 16, 17 years really thrive with Sidney Crosby. Add in the fact that Raquel has a nice little bit of a scoring touch. And I don't think it's going to be that difficult of a fit. 
it may take them a game or two or a little bit of more time in practice and scrimmages to really develop that kind of chemistry that they're looking for. But a guy like Ricard Raquel is not hard to play with whatsoever. And when you're a guy like Sidney Crosby, you find a way to make it work to the maximum with a guy like that. Agreed. And of course, Sid always loves playing with Brian Russ. I know some fans don't like that he plays with Rust, but Sid obviously likes it quite a bit, which is why you're seeing Rust with him. And with the second line, it was opposite yesterday. Smith was on the right wing. Nylander was on the left wing. But it looks like they've changed that for this game. But I also would not be surprised if they went back to the lines that we saw on Wednesday. Give Alex Nylander a look on the left wing. See what he can do on the right side. But overall, seeing Nylander up there in the top six for this game, this is your chance if you want to make the team. You need to make an impression with one of the two franchise centers. Show us what you can do. That's what the coaching staff wants to see out of him it's it's put up or shut up time i think is what i'm trying to say when it comes to nylander he's probably too good i think to be in the ahl at this point you want to be on this team let's see what you can do with the big guns let's see what you can do with riley smith who i'm also really excited to see his penguins debut tonight as a whole i'm actually really high on smith this year i think he's definitely going to be in that 20 to 30 goal range and i'm curious to see because i haven't been at training camp yet this year, I'm hoping to go at some point in the near future, but I really want to see that chemistry that so many people are saying when it comes to Smith and Malkin. Maybe it can be as good as the Neil and Malkin chemistry was from way back when. That would be the dream considering how fun they were together, but I'm just really curious to see how those two work together. Then, of course, Nylander, if he can finalize his spot on the roster. It really does feel like a not-so-thinly-veiled message to Alex Nylander at this point by the coaching staff, and not in a, in a negative way, not in a threatening way. It's just them saying, listen, you've impressed so far this camp. You've done well so far this camp. Now we want to see if you're a viable option to make this roster, and in a pinch, if we need you in the top six, if you can fit in. I also think this does tell us a little bit of what we talked about yesterday with the fact that maybe Mike Sullivan's idea on how he's going to build that bottom six is changing. Maybe it's not going to be a bunch of defensively accountable, take care of that zone first guys, because I like Nylander. I think he's a solid little player. I think he's got a good shot to stick in the NHL this year, but he's not known for being a great two-way player. So maybe they're looking to add a little bit more scoring on the wing through Alex Nylander. And if he can find some chemistry on that second line, I think that's a valuable enough asset to keep him on the roster moving forward. I agree. And maybe, especially when Jake Denzel returns, if Nylander does make the team, I could see a scenario where you have O'Connor and Nylander on the third line for some of that offensive oomph. And if you want to combine those two with a center like Lars Eller, that could work because he's like that defensive player that you can put on that third line he can still maybe give you hopefully a little bit of offense if he can turn back the clock of course to maybe 2018 version of Lars Eller but if you can surround him with a couple of young players who have some offensive upside I think that could work for a third line I really and even even with that line a line like that you don't need Lars Eller to be an offensive production machine you just need him there you know in a way that people always talk about you put a Brian Dumoulin or a Ryan Graves with Chris Letang to kind of be that safety net. If you have a center who can be effective defensively with two younger guys who have offensive upside, he can be that safety net for them. He can be the guy who, when they're not on the ice, pulls them aside and says, hey, listen, I like what you're doing. 
I know you're trying to be a threat, but I need some help back here. I'm not telling you to sell out and go full defense, but just remember when you're when you're on the attack, there is a chance that I'm going to need you to get back and be accountable in the defensive zone in order for us to jumpstart that offensive attack. That would be good too. And with how Eller is as a veteran leader, I think that could really help both of them, to be honest. But that's not the third line that we're getting tonight. At least the third line looks like it's, well, O'Connor is going to be there. So two-thirds of that makeshift third line that we made up on the fly there will be on it. But Matt Nieto will be on the right wing. He'll be in the bottom six once he makes the team. And then the fourth line, Austin Wagner, Noah Achari, Jeff Carter. I do think Achari and Carter are probably going to be on the fourth line this year. Again, the spots that we're really looking at, it's that you know left winger on the fourth line, maybe that right winger on the third line, that kind of stuff. Wagner... Curious to see how he does playing with a couple of what we think will be the regulars in the lineup in Achari and Carter. Carter, fourth line right wing for this game, so he's not going to have those center responsibilities. That's good. Again, if you have him at wing, he's not going to kill you as bad as he would at center. Wagner, though, he's kind of like that defensive presence. Kind of want to see if he can bring a little more offense into his game, but I think at this point he's probably just a defensive guy, though. But still, he had a really nice goal the other night in that preseason game that we talked about earlier this week. So if maybe he can continue that. I would be pretty happy. Sullivan had good things to say about Wagner today. He, he said he's been impressed with his play. And much like we said with Nylander, this is the coaching staff saying, hey, we like what you're doing so far. Keep it up and let's see what you can do when we put the regulars in, when the big boys are playing. And let's see if you're still going to be a contributor when we have a roster like this. Right. And just to wrap up this segment, the defense, the top four is the top four that we've discussed all camp and during the offseason. And then the bottom pair, which we'll get to later, Ryan Shea and Chad Rito, and why we might already know what the bottom pairing is going to be when this team is fully healthy. That's coming up a little later on. And then Tristan Jari will get the whole game. Hopefully he plays well. Got to make the saves, even though the Sabres aren't playing their A lineup. And we'll get to that in just a second. Still hope that he plays well. But again, that will do it for this first segment. Coming up in the second segment, Pat and I are going to dive into who the Sabres are bringing and why this is probably not even their B team, I think, to be honest. They have a couple of their regulars coming and a couple of really good regulars, but outside of that, there's really not much there. But before we get to that, are you missing the syrup for your pancakes or do you just run out of your favorite coffee creamer? Well, with DoorDash grocery delivery, you can get what you want right when you need it. You trust a DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites, and now you can get grocery delivery that actually delivers too. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you will find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. You'll get exactly what you ordered, or they will make it right. So sit back and enjoy quality groceries just like you picked them yourself. You can get 50% off your first DoorDash order right now, up to a $20 value when you use code LOCKED at checkout. It's a limited time offer, terms apply. That's a 50% off up to $20 value, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code LOCKED. Remember, one more time, that's code LOCKED for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. All right, we're back here in this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I am Hunter Hodes. That is Patrick Damp, as usual, my amazing co-host for this show. But for the Sabres, bringing their lineup in, 13 forwards, seven defensemen, three goalies. They're not even bringing Devin Levi in net. It looks like it's going to be Eric Comrie starting one of their backups. Defensive-wise, Owen Power is not going to be playing. Rasmus Dahlin is not going to be playing. So that's unfortunate for me because I love watching Dahlin and Power. 
One of their only regulars that I think they're bringing is Jacob Bryson. I really do not know who these six other defensemen are. I apologize. Forwards-wise, though, Zach Benson is coming, who Penguins were one pick away, I think, from probably taking him over Braden Jaeger. I will die on that hill. I like Jaeger. I think he's going to be a really good prospect for the Penguins. But if Benson was there at that pick, I still firmly believe that Kyle Dubas takes him, and he's looked really good throughout the preseason in the camp for the Sabres. I'm excited to watch him tonight. Other regulars that they're bringing, uh, Zemgis Gergensens. He's been in the lineup for quite a bit. Jordan Greenway, who the Sabres acquired over the offseason. Casey Middlestat, who has finally developed into a quality center in the NHL. He was a bit slow coming out of the gate, but he had a really good year last year. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the one, the only, Tage Thompson with that ridiculous shot that he has. So Tristan Jari won't be tested as much as maybe we thought on Wednesday, but when you have Tage Thompson on the ice, you always got to be aware of him. Uh, two things on this. One, like you said, uh, first and foremost, Zemgis Gergensen's perfect Yinzer name. I yes. wish we could have him in Pittsburgh just to hear the Yinzer accent. Hey, uh, uh, Molsey, what do you think about that Zemgis Gergensen's? <laughs> and then the other thing, and then I'll get into actual serious analysis of this. You want to feel old. The Buffalo Sabres are dressing 20 skaters tonight, according to this lineup. 50% of that lineup was born after the year 2000. Oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, you make me feel old now, and I'll be 26 in two months. Good Lord. I've looked at the lineup today, and I was looking at the birth dates because they the Sabres didn't put out like a pre, so, pre-made social media graphic. They literally just tweeted out a screenshot of like the media guide lineup that you're going to get in the press box tonight and all i saw was like 2005 2000 2002 2002 2004 2003 2002 2003 2001 2003 and i was like oh my god like (laughs) but at the same time though looking at this roster obviously tage thompson always a threat casey middlestad has really finally found his stride as a center in the national hockey league he was he had one foot in the bust category, and it looked like he was going to dive right in with the other as of just a couple years ago. But now this guy, pretty darn good center, middle six center for your team. And, I mean, this is, for me, I look at this, and I don't want to say, you know, because I don't want to get cold takes exposed on this, but this could be a glorified scrimmage for the Penguins tonight when you compare the rosters. Now they got to show up and play. They can't show up and look at this roster and go, we got Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Carlson. Who cares if this Sabres roster shows up? This is a, this is one of those things, and I know it's preseason. They're not going to be in that mood. These guys don't give a damn about preseason or winning the division or anything like that. Their goal is the Stanley Cup. But this is a moment where you can have a roster this good and say we are taking on an inferior team. That needs to be apparent. I want to see some killer instinct from some of these bigger guys. I know it's preseason. I know you don't want to get hurt. I know you don't want to overextend yourself. But this is an early chance in the preseason because you know, and we're two of the people who do it, that love to overanalyze things. Yeah. If they go out and beat the crap out of this team, there might be some headlines tomorrow and next week that go, are we not talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins enough? I mean, 
you got to be careful with that though, because, and I hate to bring this up. It's kind of similar with the Steelers during the preseason, right? When they lit the world on fire and then you start the regular season and Matt Canada still stinks. Again, I don't think that's going to be the case here with the Penguins, but you got to be careful with just overanalyzing preseason hockey in general. I guess that's the point I'm trying to yeah. make. Just comparing it to preseason football, you don't want to overanalyze it that much. And also, I don't think the Penguins have a coach as bad as Matt Canada on the Steelers. Just putting that out there. But yeah. overall, I agree with you, though. We have seen, even this year, when the Penguins have played some of these other teams, like the Red Wings or even the Blue Jackets in that second game, who have started a lot of their regulars, the Penguins have still given those teams fits, even with a glorified AHL team out there. And the Sabres tonight, most of this, I think, is their AHL team. But you know they still have a couple of regulars. That said, the Penguins should still win this game. You're right. I want to see that killer instinct. I want to see how these new guys are meshing with some of the core players. I also want to see the power play. I want to see if it was as bad as some people made it out to be yesterday. The, the legendary Josh Yowie came into my mentions to tell me, oh, yeah, it looked terrible after I got excited about seeing Crystal Tang in the Phil Castle spot. Well, I want to see what it looks like tonight live. I want to see if they worked out the kinks from that practice into this game because I'm sure they will get at least a couple of opportunities on the power play. I want to see what that looks like. Going up, Even though we'll be going up against a lot of AHL guys, still, you, got, you go up against who the other team is icing at the end of the day. And Latang said it to Josh this morning or just to the media in general that it's been a decade since he's played in that spot. Since Gonchar, yeah. Yeah, the last time he played in that spot, Sergey Gonchar was on the Penguins. So, and that's no small feat because when you're on a power play, it's not as free-flowing as just a five-on-five play. You have defined roles and things you need to do in certain spots on a power play or it all breaks down. So it's going to take Latang some some getting used to being back in that spot. But we quickly forget because of how good Sergei Gonchar was as a power play quarterback. Latang was a pretty damn good threat in that in that position too. So once he finds that groove again, this is going to be a pretty functional battle station. Just got a picture of the Death Star blowing up Alderaan from Star Wars. That's that's what that's what I'll picture for this power play unit. Except hopefully the Death Star does not get blown up by someone. It's, we don't need that there twice because of, of course what happened. But there's my nerd talk of the day. I'll always mention Star Wars whenever I can because I'm I love it. But yeah, I agree with you. And you know he actually had some pretty nice goals over there during the days of Goncher, whether it was the regular season or the playoffs. One more thing before we head to the final segment. Even though the Sabres aren't bringing their A or B team, still want to see a good game from Tristan Jari. He should be able to make most of the saves in this game. I know you might have the occasional ripper from Tage Thompson because he can really fire the puck, but I still want to see him have a good game. Make the saves you need to make. Start showing the fans that you're healthy and that it's going to be different this year compared to last year. Yeah, I, I, you don't want to see him give up any stinkers. You you know that he's going to knock some rust off because he hasn't played a game yet. But at the same time, this is a game where, similar to what I've been saying about the young guys playing in the B-squad games, this is a game where he has to come out and be one of the better players. He needs to have a strong show. Give up one or two, it happens. It's the modern NHL. Rare is it that goalies steal games anymore with the exception of one or two of them. So just needs to have a solid game. Right. 
I agree. Looking forward to seeing him. Just looking forward to seeing this game overall. But that will do it for this segment. Coming up to end the show, Pat and I are going to discuss the bottom pairing for this contest and what it may mean for the Penguins going forward. That's coming up right after this. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I am Hunter Hodes, joined as always by Patrick Damp. So it looked like we were going to have a P.O. Joseph-Mark Freeman pairing until Mike Sullivan was like, nope, they're going to be resting tonight. The bottom pairing will be Ryan Shea and Chad Ruedel. And I know you said on Wednesday, Pat, that you had no idea who Ryan Shea is. And I'll admit, I don't know that much about him either, but he's never played in Wilkes-Barre before. And he's also never played in the NHL before. The last three seasons, he has been in the AHL for the Texas Stars. So part of the Dallas Stars system there. This past year, played 70 games, seven goals, 28 points the year before. Three goals, 32 points, played his college hockey at Northeastern University. Probably just a depth guy in Wilkes-Barre. But curious, just still, just to watch him. I want to see what he can bring to the Penguins. It is interesting that he is getting some reps with the big boys. So I think that shows that Mike Sullivan and the coaching staff like what they've seen from him in camp. Ruedel, obviously in contention for that number six, number seven spot. But do you not get the sense that P.O. Joseph and Mark Friedman is going to be the bottom pairing to start the year based off this and them not playing? Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Maybe I could be dead wrong here. I hope not. I don't want to get old takes exposed. (laughs) But the thing I'm thinking about when I saw that, I'm like, hmm, he's giving P.O. Joseph and Mark Friedman some rest. Are these the two regulars in two weeks? Still a handful of preseason games to go. A lot of things can change in the next week and a half. Right. But it does feel like they've kind of made up their mind. And let's be honest here. Of six spots on the defense, one was up for grabs and it was number six. One through five have been decided. We know who the top four are. We know P.O. Joseph was going to get that fifth spot. And it came down to six or seven guys battling for one spot. And I do think, in a way, I think it's probably the job of Mark Friedman and Chad Ruedel once the season starts. Because I said it about Ruedel earlier this week. Being a guy who can sit for a week or two at a time come back in and still be effective is a, is a valuable skill to have. And the same thing can be said for Friedman because the type of game he plays is all energy. It's all energy, physical, it's agitating, it's getting under the opponent's skin. And he's good enough positionally and defensively that you can deal with some of that. So I think it's going to be a split between those two. Once we get to the regular season in a couple of weeks. That would be interesting. Now, I'm curious. If you, so you say it's a split. You you think both those guys will get quite a few games this year? You don't think it's just going to be Mark Friedman playing, I don't know, 65, 70 games, and then Ruedel gets the other, but you think it's going to be split down the middle? Just to catch up what you're saying. I I, I think in a way, yeah. It, it, I don't think they're going to actually put any sort of like concrete number on it, like 41-41, but – it like it kind of feels like okay when you can see that Friedman's starting to maybe fade a little bit. All right, let's pull him back. Ruido gets a couple of games once he starts to fade. Let's pull him back. Put Friedman back in, just because. And I don't mean this as a shot at either of them. They're sixth or seventh defensemen yeah. on most rosters, so you're not expecting them to go out and be these incredible 
defensive stalwarts who you can always count on to do the big thing. You just don't need, you just need them to not make the big mistake. That's it. They don't need to be incredible. They're your sixth defenseman. Right. And I don't think either of them are AHL guys anymore. I tried Rudel never really was. Friedman was for a little bit. I, I think these are NHL players, but they're just, you know, to, to put it in a baseball term, they're not everyday players. They're guys who can come in every few games, be effective, stay in the lineup for a couple games, and then you replace them with the other guy. And it's almost like you have a tandem of players that you can use. And with the slog of an NHL season, with injuries always occurring, that's a good thing to have in your NHL roster. And it could be also similar now, the more I think about it, when Cody Cece was added to the Penguins and it was him and Chad Riedel to kind of start the year, Mike Sullivan kind of went back and forth on them before I think eventually mostly settling on CC because he started to find a groove with Mike Matheson. Everyone thought that pairing was going to be awful. And then Cody CC comes out and has one heck of a year for the Penguins and gets a nice payday. So we you, don't you want to talk. You want to talk about Kyle Dubas vindicated when he left Toronto. All he kept saying was, man, I hated that. I lost that guy. He was a solid defenseman. Yep. Everybody laughed at him. And his next stop was here in Pittsburgh. And he was solid for the majority of that shortened season. He was. And you're right at the start that they were kind of going back and forth between the two before I think eventually settling on CC. You're right. Maybe that could be the case here this season where they kind of go back and forth and then one maybe pulls away from the other. You just got to get the partner for PO, right? You got to have the right partner for him because again, we've been saying it for a while. We want PO to be more active in the offensive zone. We also want him to be a bit you know, just better in his own zone too, but he's more, I think of an offensive guy at this point. If you can put him with a, more defensive player, whether that's Freeman or Ruedel, that would work. Now, I know I've seen people ask for Ty Smith. I don't think that would work on a third pairing just because I don't think he's, you know, put it nicely, I don't think he's defensively responsible like the other two are. He brings more offense, but I think that just would be a very high chaos type pairing. And I think that's probably why you're not seeing him play in this one because I don't think he's really in consideration to get that number six job at this point. I mean, maybe I'm overanalyzing it, but I just based on how he played against Detroit, I don't think he was that good. I don't think he's in that much consideration compared to some of the other guys that we've been discussing. When it comes to Smith, I, I can't remember if we said it on here, but I know Josh Yo, he wrote about it. I, I don't think he's long for this organization. And it's not a shot at him. I think where he is as a player, he's going to need consistent NHL reps and they just don't exist here for the type of player he is. And I don't think he has much left to do in the AHL. So you've got to send him somewhere where they need a defenseman and just get something for him. A couple of draft picks, maybe some B or C level prospect, but he he's just not going to get consistent NHL playing time here unless there's significant injuries or, he goes out and absolutely dominates the AHL yeah. at a level not seen in a long time. And if he's not traded before the season or even during the season, I'm sure he'll put up pretty strong numbers in the AHL, but I just don't really see him getting that much playing time with the big club unless there's a lot of injuries, which, you know, it's funny. I thought he was good enough last year in camp in the preseason to make it. I've said on this show that he should have, he should be playing above PO Joseph age like milk because P.O. Joseph went out and had a pretty good year, but I thought he played better at that point than P.O. 
it was also the factor of them not having enough cap space for Smith because Ron Hextall buried, he just destroyed their cap situation yeah. so badly, which was awful as well. But I think oh, if you were ever going to say something, the last, the last thing I was going to say was what I think back to the original, the, the original discussion. Hmm. I also think with saying, Hey, PO needs a consistent partner. I don't totally disagree, but I also think this is a sign from the coaching staff of saying, listen, this is your pairing. You're the guy. So you need to be a little bit flexible, but still effective where you may have two or three different partners throughout this season. So control your element, do what you do best and be adaptable to who you play with. And I think the kid is getting to that point where he's going to be able to do that. The big question is what we talked about with Josh. Does this kid start to wear down once the season continues? And if that's the case, then we've got a few more questions than we do answers overall. Agreed. You just, you want to see that improvement from last year to this year, especially at the late stages of the season. You don't want to see him wear down in the defensive zone and lose some of those one-on-one matchups that he should be winning at this stage in his career, or even wearing down in the offensive zone, just overall, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But I agree. I think this is his pairing and either way, he should be able to get used to playing with Ruedel or, or Friedman, they are different players. I will say that, you know, Ruedel, I think, is a little more defensively responsible than Friedman, but don't get me wrong. Friedman is still good defensively. I think Ruedel is just a little bit better, in my opinion. But no matter what happens, I'll be curious to see who he'll start with when the season gets underway. But I think that will do it for this edition of the Locked on Penguins podcast. Thank you all so much for listening to slash watching this one. But it's funny, I'm just scrolling on Twitter and I totally forgot that the waivers are back to two o'clock. And speaking of breaking news in Penguins land, Ty Smith has been placed on waivers by Kyle Dubas and company. So as we just discussed, P.O. Joseph has won that job. And with Smith, they probably could not have found a trade partner for him. So they're putting him on waivers to see if maybe a non-playoff team will claim him. A couple other players that we'll get to in just a second were placed on waivers too. But the big news, Pat, Ty Smith on waivers. Yeah, that uh, that kind of sums it all up, doesn't it? That uh, kind of looks like his time here is done, or at the very least, he's going to spend a good amount of time in Wilkes-Barre this year, and looks like it's P.O.'s job. Yeah, I mean, if there, in case there was any doubt among people that he was going to win it, well, you can put that aside now because P.O. Joseph has won that number five spot, even though it was probably – not much of a competition to begin with because P.O. blew past him, I think, during camp in the preseason. A couple other players who were also placed on waivers by the Penguins, Taylor Fadoon, Jonathan Gruden, if they'll clear, they'll head back to Wilkes-Barre, Xavier Lett, same thing, and then Rem Pitlick. So it looks like he did not do enough to win a bottom six job during training camp in the preseason as well. Yeah, uh, we're getting now we're getting a much clearer picture of the roster uh, as we get closer to the season. Um, Surprise! I mean, I am kind of surprised that they weren't able to find some sort of suitor for Ty Smith. The not not expensive has some upside, but it's the way this season is, man. The salary cap is handcuffing everybody. Right, and just I apologize, Ty Smith, but what a failure of a trade that was from Ron Hextall. I, I hate to bring up Ron because he hasn't been on the job for a long time now, but what an absolute failure of a trade that was given away John Moreno for basically peanuts there. But I think that will do it for this edition 
of the Locked On Penguins podcast. We'll be back with another episode for you all on Friday, recapping the game against the Sabres and seeing if anyone claims Smith on waivers. I do think a non-playoff team should claim him and give him minutes for this season. We'll see if anyone else gets claimed on waivers that Kyle Dubas just put on there. But again, thank you all so much for tuning in. Really, really appreciate it. We'll be back on Friday.